Thank you for coming Thank you for coming out. Welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm so excited to be here. In 2015, I founded the Queer Improv Show, Thank You for Coming Out, or TIFCO as we call it, and it is now one of the longest running queer improv shows in New York City. During the show, our storytellers share their coming out stories, and then our improvisers bring them to life. Our podcast is a little different. We still have a storyteller share their stories, but instead of folks improvising, we talk about them. And this episode is different because we are recording still during the COVID-19 pandemic while physically distancing. So that means we're not in the same room and using our studio quality equipment. Uh, so our audio might be a little bit different than what you're used to, but we're all doing the best we can with what we have. And I'm super duper pumped about our guest that we have here today. Faith Soloway, she, her, is a writer, director, composer, and performer. She wrote for all four seasons of Amazon's groundbreaking television show, Transparent, and composed all the songs for, trans for, for Transparent, Musicale Finale. I was so excited to say that, that I <laughs> messed right. up saying Transparent. <laughs> her roots are in the musical comedy world. She was the musical director at Second City in Chicago from 1985 to 1990. During that time, she was also a founding member of the Theater, where she composed and directed many shows, including Coed Prison Sluts, the longest running original musical in Chicago. It was at the Annoyance where she and her sibling Joey co created the real live Brady Bunch, which went on to become cult classic theater touring nationally. In Boston, she was a part of the folk scene and fused her love of folk music and comedy by creating schlock operas like Miss Folk Op America. I can't read today. Miss Folk America and Jesus Has Two Mommies. Faith is currently developing scripts for Amazon and Sony and working on a stage musical of Transparent. Faith, welcome. Thanks, Dubs. Thanks for having me. Yes, I'm so excited. I remember a few years ago, we were in conversation about having you come do the live show and the mm -hmm. timing and location just didn't work out. So I'm glad this is happening. Yes, I am too. How, how are you? I know it's like a, such a loaded question, but I really genuinely want to know how, are, how you are. Yeah, it is. It's always a loaded question. You know, I feel like I, um, I, as I say to my, as I explained, like this revelation I had, the way I do life, and I'm too old to feel this way, but I, it's, it's, it, it feels, it's felt like freight train stress after like freight train stress or mm. stress of freight of cars coming at me, as opposed to how do I get on top of this and lead my life? Mm. That's like when you ask me how I am, I'm, tr I've, I realize, oh, for, you know, I, I just turned 57 and I'm too old to have this much anxiety. Mm. So I'm really working on my seizing of the moment and celebrating. And um, I'm a parent. I create work, but creating work is, you know, it feels like playing the, when you're creating work for money, it feels like playing some kind of lottery game and it's mm -hmm. not you, you have to find the fun in it so that's what I'm trying to do I'm trying to get on top of what I feel like has been um pretty anxious life maybe it's about being Jewish and queer <laughs> oh, I, let's definitely talk about that <laughs> that could that is definitely something yeah um, so have you found any techniques techniques that are kind of working to kind of ease that anxiety that you're feeling, which is so relatable and it resonates so deeply. Well, I think we all just, you know, we all kind of came through childhood and it, it, relating to that in a certain way, because it's about like keeping up with what's going on around you and not feeling like an imposter while doing so. And especially obviously when you're queer and, and um, I think, right. I think I finally, um, try, really trying to hold on to things that um, rooting myself has been part also it's been very hard for me it, as much as the success of transparent in the last like well that was about two, 2013 from 2013 till I don't know last year um, I have a child in Boston and I was working in Los Angeles and that was like I couldn't really 100% enjoy all of the spoils of it because I was worried about my kid and going back and forth. So I've always like, I feel like finally, at least like I'm, I, 
not in this, not in a place career wise where I'm on top of all of these different projects and going project to project. I'm, I'm, I will always worry about making my next paycheck, but being rooted for me back in Boston right now has been super healing mm. and going back to my roots a little bit with what I found on my own here when I moved to Boston and made it name for myself and kind of maybe controlled my own destiny a little bit more instead mm-hmm. of being dragged this way and that way. Um, you always want to make dis- decisions for the betterment of your career. Um, when you're an artist, you do this thing mentally like, well, wherever it is, you're going because mm. this is the time you got to jump now. And you can't argue with it. It's absolutely gospel. So by doing that, you are sacrificing, you are, um, judging yourself, you're, you know, compromising, you're learning, but you're still, I realize, like, man, I never got on top of my anxiety. Mm. And here I am like doing these amazing things, working with these amazing people, but really having all kinds of self doubt and self negative talk and kind of losing myself at the same time, you know? So that's, that's where I am like trying to create, I just did a fundraiser here with, I had Steve Colbert like close it and that felt really good. And I don't know. I just like connecting to life, my girlfriend, my child, Jamaica Plain, Boston, Massachusetts, which I love. And the projects that I'm doing that I actually do hope take me back to LA, you know, mm-hmm. and New York, hopefully, you know, yeah. the musical. So that's my headline. It's like, man, I've been an anxious creature for so long and without really having methods to deal with it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, first of all, Jamaica Plain, that's where Keshet's rooted. Keshet, right. uh, Where I work, um, which I saw. Right. Yeah. I am. I've been there for four years. And uh, so I never thought that I would know Boston or Jamaica Plain specifically, but I know it pretty. Yeah. I wouldn't say I know it that well, but I've been there many, many times. So that's, we could go down that whole route too, because I, I did a fundraiser for them a long time ago and I know Adit very well. And obviously I've been in Boston for 25 years, but so what, what do you do with cash it? Like, are you, tell me, can yeah. we talk about this on the interview here? Of can course. I interview you, Dubs? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's such a cool organization. Uh, I love it so much. It's yeah. um, so for those of you listening who don't know what cash it is, it's a national nonprofit uh, we work with um, Jewish institutions on LGBTQ inclusion. So I am the associate director of education and training for Metro New York. And so my whole portfolio mm-hmm. are the five boroughs, Westchester and Long Island. And so I work with synagogues and day schools and camps and federations, you know, all of the, any mm-hmm. kind of Jewish institution in that area um, doing um, LGBTQ trainings, consultations, resource building, um, the Trans Jews Are Here convening mm. uh, hosted by CBST uh, was just on Trans Day of Visibility f- last week. And so we presented a few um, trainings there. Um, so just like I really am steeped in mm-hmm. the the Jewish community as a very open <laughs> trans Jew, which mm-hmm. I never thought that, you know, growing up, as someone who didn't understand or realize that I was a trans person mm-hmm. and like definitely knew that I was queer in some way, but mm-hmm. not seeing myself reflected anywhere in the Jewish community. And the mm-hmm. only reflection I was getting back was we won't marry same gender people. And there's no kind of like, mm-hmm. there was nothing. And so mm-hmm. for so much of my life, I distanced myself mm-hmm. from Judaism. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until after coming into myself as a trans person in my late twenties, I'm 36 now. Um, did I realize I was still missing something of really crucial to my identity and it mm-hmm. was my Jewishness. So mm. then when I learned that Keshet existed um, and that, you know, all of their jobs are always based in Boston and then they mm-hmm. had, they posted one New York or Boston. I was like, dibs, I have to have oh, this. Yeah. And so I did some networking and as someone called Jewish geography and mm was able to get connected directly and the rest Mm -hmm. is history. So that was a very long winded answer. (laughs) Yeah. But so we, so we have another connection here. I mean, I'm not so involved anymore, but have definitely we've intersected there. Um, 
yeah, they they gave us an award for transparent work and transparent. I guess I, I can't remember if I was honored or if the show was honored or, but you know, that was a good four years ago, uh, five years ago. But yeah, uh, that's cool. Yeah, I think yeah. it was you. <laughs> I'm like, if I'm remembering, it was me. Like, yeah, yeah, it was. Were right you before, there? No, I wasn't. Oh, okay, it was right before my time there. But yeah. I remember. Um, like learning about all like the past yeah. like awards and things like that from the different well, that's galas. like part of the thing I'm talking about like the 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 show had and it sounds so like I sound like a like an idiot like I can't remember who was not who was nominated who got the award or who was honored was it me was it the show because we did it so much was happening so quickly mm-hmm. and um that's part of my regret is like I I remember like working on the speech but just being just getting back into Boston and, you know, wanting to root a little, but, you know, agreeing to be honored, it's just a huge honor, but I, I felt like I got, I, you know, I couldn't enjoy it a hundred percent. Yeah. And, um, it's, it, it, a lot happened very quickly for Joey, obviously. And for me and, uh, Joey, I know you, uh, you interviewed Joey, right? Mm-hmm. And, and obviously like they went through so much life change through writing the show and, and revelations and writing in real time as our parent was walking through this for herself. And um, I think we both are still spinning in a different way and they are still receiving, a, a, you know, their trans, message or in inhabiting that body and that um reflection of themselves and i am too i'm still completely you know questioning and asking and accepting and and moving through it um too so yeah but we Um, didn't have time to do that then we're just like yeah i that's so real that that um the like busyness of Mm -hmm. life can Mm -hmm. sometimes really um, get in the way of that self-exploration or being mm-hmm. able op- able and open and willing to receive those, as you so lovingly put it, trans messages. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, like when the pandemic hit and everything got quiet, mm-hmm. that was when I was like, oh, I'm going to start testosterone now. Mm-hmm. Like it was just like, I hadn't let myself really marinate mm-hmm. in that idea. And mm-hmm. I, you know, had thought about, you know, I had top surgery in 2016 mm-hmm. And so like the narrative that I was familiar with was people started testosterone first and then they got top Mm -hmm. surgery and like, there was Mm -hmm. like a, a laid out plan. And I was like, well, I'm not that. So then, Mm -hmm. and I was like, one of the only people, when I had top surgery, I was the only person I knew that had it without being on hormones. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh my, this is groundbreaking. And then I, of Mm -hmm. course, met other people in in life that had also done that. But in the moment it was, I'm the only one, Um, Mm -hmm. which actually is what's, circling back to transparent, which is so powerful of the idea of you're not alone and mm-hmm. in a Jewish context of like, mm-hmm. which is like so revolutionary, especially for a Jewish person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, I think it's great that you're, there's like, like you said, you're questioning, you're asking, you're accepting. And I think that's, yeah. I think so many people are fed the narrative or the idea of like, once you've like f- figured everything that everything's finite and mm-hmm. really it's like, as we move through life, like we're going to learn new and different things about ourselves and the mm-hmm. things that we learned five years ago might not be relevant anymore now. And that exactly. there's so much more fluidity than I think we give ourselves yeah. humans credit for. Yeah. We have to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think this is the longest I've chatted without having a coming out story. <laughs> so oh. uh, but I, no, but this is like, but this is amazing. Um, yeah. And the, the yeah. whole point of the show is, is, the, is to get to get to that story, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's um, funny. It's also related anyway, you totally. know? Yeah. So. so, yeah. So we all have multiple coming out or multiple coming into ourselves stories. And I'm, I would love to hear one of your moments. Well, my, you know, I, I feel like I do have a coming out story that I go to and it's actually like it's a fucking car crash. It's, mm. it, it's like plays like a disaster movie to me because I was so in the closet. I was, I felt isolated. I would sneak out and go to gay bars. Um, I had like one gay friend and I'm talking like in my, I don't know, 
young 20s, 23, 24. Um, so the shorthand, like history up to 23, 24, I was a closeted lesbian, no question. Um, and when I was little, I pro I probably would have had, I, ha I think had I had the language had I had the insight, the ability, I might've transitioned. I mm. even think I was such a boy. Um, but those are like, when we were talking about some of those questions, you know, yeah. that that's right there. Um, so anyway, you know, I had boyfriends in high school as, you know, quote unquote, being a straight, acting the straight part and liked my mm. boyfriends and then had this feeling like, but I like girls better, you know, like, so we go through that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then um, I was, I had like, I was in my early twenties. I loved, the reason why I loved my boyfriends is they were my good friends first, you know? So I really did love my boyfriend. So I, I, I had, my boyfriend at the time, I said to myself, if I can't be straight for him, I can't be straight for anybody. I remember mm. having that conversation with him because I loved him so much. Okay. So we were in a relationship, which I was like, okay, well, part of me is in this and part of me is not just the whole, you know, sex thing, basically the whole lust thing, the whole mm. everything else, or the whole idea, the whole understanding of my other um, sexual identity, I suppose. Okay. So at the same time I was sneaking out and going to gay bars it was in Chicago in the what nineties. Yeah. No, late eighties, late eighties. Um, and there was one night I went out with my friend to a gay bar, a lesbian bar. And this is before cell phones. And my boyfriend at the time was looking for me and we were supposed to do something. And I, I just had one of those, okay, this is the moment. Like I'm not coming home. I'm staying at this gay bar. Um, I'm pretending like it's not happening. Huge denial. Um, I went oh God, like home with somebody, like I went to somebody else's this lesbian's apartment. <laughs> it was really horrible. And um, my boyfriend like called my parents mm. and called my sibling and called my friends looking for me again, before the day, before the age of cell phones. And then they fucking called the police. Oh no. Oh, they almost <laughs> called the police. This is what I'm telling you. Like, <laughs> and I, the next morning, oh, I heard, okay. Yeah. I, I like called into my aunt, my answering machine and heard my mom's voice. Like we're, you know, you're thinking of going to the police. We're really worried. So I called my mom immediately and, um, met her in the morning. Cause I, I was supposed to be auditioning for, auditioning people for a show. I was still like creating work in um, Chicago and, and my mom met me there. I'll always remember. Um, and she was like, Faith, what's, go what's going on? I said, mom, if you could have a guess, what would you think? And she said, mm -hmm. the first thing she said is, are you on drugs? I'm like, no. And she said, are you gay? <laughs> 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 the lesser of the two evils? I don't know. Right. Uh, and uh, I said, yeah, she said, I've, I've always known. And like, that's how fucked up I was with having to like, basically jump off of out of a plane to be gay. You know, that's mm -hmm. the, that's the metaphor for me. Um, I had close friends who I, who I loved and I just heard their homophobia all the time. And yeah. I was more afraid of that than my parents really. And I was working in queer Chicago theater and I still couldn't do it, you know, cause I was, it was just, I was a kind of a buttoned up shy, funny kid. Um, and so that was like the big, the egg broke, everything spilled out. And I, it was such a relief, you know, it was such a relief, but I'm so sad for myself, but that's the way that I did it. And it really speaks to like me not being in check with my feelings, living an anxious life always anyway. You'd think I would learn from that, but I felt like I, I couldn't quite, you know, after that, like relationships were, you know, fine. I, I don't think I was in a, a great relationship till I was, you know, 30 something, you know? So it's like, we all know this story. We, the queers who come out late have to figure out their childhood, teenage years and adulthood kind of all at the same time. And mm -hmm. it's across like 
a chaotic cross connection of feelings, you know, coming out and living out and getting through the shame and leading a professional life and working a job and having people, your friends, some friends dump you, some friends stay with you. So that, that was like, you know, I, I lived through, I lived in, you know, pretty homophobic, even in Chicago, homophobic attitudes. Um, and so I see why it took me so long and why I did it that way. I wish that wasn't my story, but it is. Yeah. And I'm here to tell you about it, Dubs. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. Yeah. Um, what, well, my, I don't know why this is my first question, but which, which lesbian bar was it? <laughs> I used to oh, live in closet, Chicago. The closet, the closet, the only mm-hmm. one, right? So there. I was there all the time. Yeah. The only, and then that's all these, all these places like closed. That's where did you live in Chicago? Um, my first apartment was on Walcott and Belmont. Mm-hmm. And then my second one was on Bryn Mawr and Kenmore. Yeah. Great. So yeah. Edgewater and Wrigley, not Wrigleyville, yeah. but like right outside Lakeview. Great place to be young and gay. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, Chicago. I feel like I just like came out at the wrong, wrong time, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. That was just remembering like, so many nights going to like the circuit and spin. Mm-hmm. Berlin. Who, think, was, yeah. Oh yeah. Berlin. Berlin. Um, queer night. And, yeah. Oh my gosh. Berlin. There's a story. I, I have been like digging through my brain of all of these different stories Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them was I went to Berlin with my friend Megan and we were very, very drunk. And mm-hmm. this man literally pulled like, he didn't, I don't know. I don't remember that specific part, but basically it was like, come, come with me. And we were like, okay, we got into his literal van. Oh, that's smart. Right. So smart. And brought him <laughs> back to my apartment. And so right. then he was in my apartment and we were just drinking uh-huh. But like nothing happened, but it was like, right. how stupid, like, thank God nothing happened. <laughs> but that, yeah, I know. We all like we're crazy kids. So Let's play crazy. Russian roulette. <laughs> truly, truly. Yeah. Uh, so that's my only memory of Berlin was doing yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, so, so I, I, something really stuck out to me in the story that you just shared mm-hmm. of like when you were younger had you had the language or the insight that you would have transitioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just curious if that, like how, like what you, how do I ask this? Like if that, if that um, informs how you identify now and cause I know there's so much dialogue now, especially with all these anti-trans bills of like young kids mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. know who they are. And so we shouldn't mm-hmm. give them, you know, you know, they don't have any of the facts right anyway, but mm-hmm. it's just, there is a lot of fear around if we let kids transition when they're younger, they're going to regret it when they're older. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious, like what your thoughts are, how you think about that? Well, it's such an interesting question for me personally, mm-hmm. um, because um, I was, you know, I was a sort of a shutdown kid, I, a really shy kid, but I had piano, my one friend, I survived in a way that I don't think anybody, the naked eye would have looked at me and thought, well, this kid is like really struggling, Mm. you know? Um, And I think it would have saved me a lot of the stuff I'm talking about right now. Mm. You know, I, I think I would have been assuredly a dude you know, out in the world, you know, and would have been able to fulfill a certain connection to the outside world that I felt like always was like struggling. Um, But at the same time, maybe I'm more of a non-binary person where I would it it was never anything that like I never felt suicidal I never felt you know I never felt like I couldn't get out of bed I never felt um the real swings that I hear when people are are completely undone by their body you know Mm -hmm. um I would fantasize about a different body I 
very recently have I always fantasized about facial hair. So I, I exist in this spectrum of really being curious, um, desirous, jealous of trans dudes, you know, um, but I have found a way. And I, there's, for me, there's a strength in the, in keeping my pronouns, she and her, I get misgendered all the time and like it. So it's like a true gendering in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Um, my relationships, you know, sort of understand my maleness and my theyness. Um, and, and, um, so I, I exist, I definitely exist within a trans spectrum. Um, and I feel like we, your question was about kids today. If kids are articulating this pain, they, they, they know, they know their own pain. I, I've, I've read so many articles about the argument against, you, you know, it, there's just no argument. It's just, it, it's just robbing kids of, a, of, of their mental health. Yeah. You know. It, it, and of their physical health. Absolutely. I don't, I don't, it's not it, for me because just because I didn't make that decision, didn't have access to that decision right now, I'm not interested in transitioning, but do I think about it? Yes. Mm -hmm. Do I think about doing tea? Do I think about like a double mastectomy? Um, sometimes. Um, and I go, you know, it's, it's a swirl that I, I go through and then, you know, I had, then I have this pride about keeping my, she, her pronouns and being just like who I am as a, she and a, her, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's, 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 if you're going to make the decision to transition, boy, that's a big one. Mm -hmm. And you, you better be ready to go. And I'm not ready to go. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, you know, I, have my justifications for staying where I am. And it's, um, it's there, you know, I feel pretty happy to be in between both worlds. So. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. It's, mm -hmm. um, I think that what everything you said is so resonant and especially, I, I mean, from just, I can't, <laughs> obviously can't speak for anyone but myself, but just, there were so many moments, um, kind of like when I realized that I could, have a double mastectomy mm -hmm. top surgery. I was like, there was no turning back. It was just like mm -hmm. the immediate, the, the second I made that connection, I was like, done, mm -hmm. it's happening. Mm -hmm. um, and then for testosterone though, it was like, I had to be sure. And it took me mm -hmm. years and years to think about it because there were so many of those moments of like, I can still be me and own like this part of who I am without that particular step. Mm -hmm. um, and for a while was really comfortable in that decision and was like, mm -hmm. this is right for me. This is right mm -hmm. for me. And then it got to a point for me that I was like, there was still something off for mm -hmm. me. And mm -hmm. I think, so I also stopped drinking in June. And so mm -hmm. before June used alcohol since I was 14 as a way to mm -hmm. numb and hide. And mm -hmm. like when I was growing up, I was, I wasn't, I call it passive suicide ideation. It wasn't like mm -hmm. I ever attempted but mm -hmm. I would think about it all the time. Mm -hmm. And I would be like, if this ceiling fell on me, okay, I wouldn't have to like deal with life anymore, but it was mm -hmm. never like taking it to the next step. Mm -hmm. um, so I would drink to hide that, to hide those mm -hmm. feelings and to like have control over something that I felt like I was out of control about, which mm -hmm. was my gender. So when I stopped drinking plus pandemic was like, mm -hmm so much stillness of like, mm -hmm. okay, this is the thing. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things that I was most scared of, like you mentioned was facial hair and I'm scared of it, scared of getting it. Yeah. So, oh, which is the, the opposite, opposite of what you're saying. Right. Yeah. So that's the thing I really wanted. So I would really want. Yeah. I, I, so I was, so <laughs> there's a filter. I don't know if you know on zoom where you can uh -huh. have facial hair. It's like, mm -hmm. a, and I've been playing with it. I'm going to do it now. Oh, that, yeah. When I, um, I truly was really afraid of it. And then when mm -hmm. I found out my friend, Sarah told me about oh, the filter. Cute. Thank you. Oh, so I saw it for the first time. I was like, oh, 
this one thing that I was the most scared of ever is like now the most affirming thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I'm like, so good dubs. Do you like it? I love it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. It like disappears a little bit because it's just a filter, but it's so affirming. It's natural. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 yeah, I'm all over the fucking place. Yeah. <laughs> and man, you know, yeah, I like, I start, I did the face app thing. Mm. Not, not so long ago, two years ago, constantly addicted to it. Like, mm -hmm. let's see what the, you know. So, yeah, I'm some somewhere there. I'm just you know, can't pull the trigger. Something yeah, like that. and I think that I mean, and I think we kind of talked about this earlier a little bit of like the narrative that we're given is this one certain way of transitioning, mm -hmm. and like there's one like um, most common way to be trans, and I think. Mm -hmm over the past few years, we are really learning what it, it's been, you know, obviously trans people have existed forever, but we're ha yeah. now having language and understanding and more visibility into all the different ways that people can have, you know, the different gender expressions and what words are affirming and those can change. And, mm -hmm. and I think we're all just kind of right in the thick of what feels good and what mm -hmm. doesn't feel good and that might change. Mm -hmm. And so it's mm -hmm. just, it's really nice to hear. Um, just more examples of like, there's mm -hmm. of the question and the mm -hmm. exploration and the, it's okay to not know, or it's okay to know that you don't know, or that mm -hmm. you're still exploring. Mm -hmm. You know, weirdly, interestingly for me, like I all, I'm also jealous of the voice change. Um, but I, I run into a wall when I'm creating music because mm. even though it's, I don't know why I do this to myself, but I have a very high soprano. Mm. And I would mourn the loss of the soprano. And I know it's a thing, you know. Um, and when I write for dudes, I can easily find the, I know how to write for, um, I shouldn't say dudes, but it's writing for um, really alto soprano, bass or tenor. That's really the correct way to talk about singing. But in my, you know, unpolitical way, like when I'm writing for a dude, like I <laughs> yeah. know what, what key to kind of put people in. And so, so I say to myself, so Faith, like you could compose with a lower voice. What it, you know, that's like, I think it's this artificial thing that I put like my blanket, you know, that I don't want to give up is my, is my soprano voice. And, um, but yet when I'm out in the street and I'm walking and I'm like, you know, or I'm waiting and I'm, there's no bigger dude than me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I am just, yeah, I could talk about this shit forever because I still don't know what's going on. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I'm always here to have these conversations. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, yeah. I'm right in the middle of it. And my voice yeah. is, I've been documenting my voice dropping and that's been yeah. really affirming. Yeah. Um, oh, what did you just say that I wanted to say something? Um, but, you know, it's the thing, again, like I get quote unquote misgendered because they hear my voice and I'm like, yeah. don't worry. Like that, you know, it's, it, it, oh, ma'am. I mean, ma'am, sir, this way. I mean, ma'am, well, don't, you know, and I always say, don't worry. You're right. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's the voice that always for trans people that, you know, fucks people, you know, fucks people up in the, in the street. So it's, it's always a thing. Yeah. It's always a thing. Um, I think one of the reasons I'm, um, a musical improviser. So I sing mm -hmm. a lot in in mm -hmm. the improv world. And that was for years, one of my reasons for not mm -hmm. taking tea was like, mm -hmm. I love my voice. Mm -hmm. And what will it sound like when my voice drops? And that mm -hmm. really was like how you said, like a blanket, like for me sing. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't mm -hmm. want to lose this. This is so important mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I was like, I'll learn how to sing in a different register. Exactly. I'll, I'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you um, know Petey Gibson at all? Are you, are you, have you met Petey? Mm -mm. You should totally interview him for the show. Okay. Because he um, went, he's gone through the whole journey. He was an improviser in, in Boston here. That's how I met him. Um, oh my gosh. I just have to line, line him up for the show. And he's an amazing improviser and um, yeah, has gone through his own personal journey and is sober and um, lived in, a they them situation or presentation and has just in the last three years 
he's super happy and he, and he, he seems really happy and would love to talk and, but he's an improviser and he's a comedian and he's, you know, just super cool, super interesting dude. So cool, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I would love yeah. that connection. Yeah. Um, something else you said that I think about all the time too, is, uh, you said queers who come out later in life have to figure it out all at once. Yeah. And like having, I, the chaos. yeah, I feel like I'm in my like third adolescence. I'm like, I mm-hmm. st- st- still don't know how to move through the world. And, mm-hmm. you know, on top of having like acne, my voice cracking, I'm like, mm-hmm. I am 16. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And like not knowing what it's like to be in a romantic relationship mm-hmm. with this body and with this mm-hmm. you know it's all so much it's so mm-hmm. so much and I'm like trying to figure out what s- style I have like clothing like mm-hmm. I feel like I'm stuck in the 90s or the 80s still because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like that's when I would have been coming growing up and so it's like right. I'm like reverting back to that to like try to figure out what feels good right the pearl jam look was that the that's the one of them shirt. for sure yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> Seattle <good>. grunge <laughs> yeah Seattle grunge total that's that good. yeah good go-to for or whatever, wherever you are in this queer spectrum, but yeah, yeah. Um, something else that that resonates that I think about all the time also is um, you said no one would have thought this kid was struggling and that you were playing the part. Mm-hmm. And same here, my parents were mm-hmm. like, we had no idea you were struggling. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was miserable, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it really is like playing a part. It's. Mm-hmm we should all win Oscars for the, for those years of playing these parts. It's so sad. Yeah. I think I was lucky in a way that my relationship with Joey was so good. Like we were such good buddies. Um, I had really good friends. Um, But yeah, there was a definite, there was a definite loneliness that would always follow and a definite feel of being a little outside of what was going on. And not being able to relate, especially in high school, like, again, like, clearly, like, in high school, I felt like I was so like, huh? Um, but I had amazing friends that looked out for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've, and I probably put them on the totem pole higher than I put myself in a certain way. And so I let them lead me around like a little puppy. Yeah. You know, and they had all the answers and took me under their wings, especially my, my one friend, Margo, like she was just like, God, I would look for really strong people to protect me, mm. you know, including mm. my sibling, including my best friend in high school, Margo Mer- Merlo, if, she, if she's ever going to want listen to this. Um, and I think I'm attracted to really strong women too, like, like mama bear kind of women. Um, so it's an interesting, you know, thing to look back on. Yeah. Yeah. When you, so was Joey part of the, the, your initial coming out? Like, how did they react? You said you were really close. So how, they were, how did that go? They were very cool. Um, they were kind of a, a no issue. I always knew that they would be fine. I, I was worried about my one friend who I was very close with, who I lived with, um, and who I, you know, we would joke about gay women, you know, mm-hmm. and my internalized homophobia was a, a a rare and to go always when I heard jokes just to like save myself. Mm-hmm. And so my best friend, we, like we would just like cap on Butch Dykes and I would be so afraid of the Butch Dykes in high school. And like, it took me also a bit of time to own that I was a Butch Dyke. That's another thing. I was like, I'm not so Butch. I'm a little bit more like a Femi Dyke. And like, no, you know, I'm pretty boyish, you know, there's no, um, getting around that mm-hmm. I wear most comfortable in men's clothes and um boys clothes and I don't go anywhere without this ba- a baseball cap and mm-hmm. you know um but I had a, that was the other thing that is that you're coupled with is you you hate yourself so you <laughs> yeah. you hate any representation of yourself and yeah yeah horrible way to go through life yeah it really is. I you yeah. said earlier that you were uh I think you I think you said like envious of trans men or like like yes. loving like and for Most me it was like, yes. yeah, like for me the opposite. Like for a, mm. so long I was like I hate you. Mm. I like blocked them all on my Instagram cuz mm. I couldn't like want to see them and then I was like oh I'm so jealous. I am mm-hmm. so jealous of you that I can't even look at you. 
Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, that's definitely something to take note of. And then mm. now when people are not so nice to me, I'm like, are you not nice to me for what reason? Is it because mm-hmm. you're feeling the same way that I was feeling of like, mm-hmm. I can't, it hurts too much to see myself reflected in you because I'm so scared of this thing. Mm-hmm. Or are you just a terrible person? <laughs> so I try right. to, yeah. but it's so, um, yeah, I also had just like thinking about like the internalized transphobia and homophobia mm-hmm. too. I also bullied people when I was in high school because I was like, mm. if I bully them, no one will think that I'm queer because like I'm exactly. making fun of queer people. Exactly. It's so textbook, isn't it? Oh, it's so textbook. When, yeah. when you get away from it, you're like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Survival. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. That's why school is horrible. So bad. Yeah. <laughs> and the, <laughs> I, part of my work when I was here in Boston is working with worked in an uh, improvisational based, that's what I did my fundraiser for, um, theater. It, well, not a, it's called a theater program, but for me, it's like, it feels like a mental health program that back in the day, you wouldn't call it a mental health program, but it was for all of these things, for all the kids that are struggling and couldn't be on their voice about things and uh, struggles, be it their own fear of gay people or might they be gay or sexuality to racism, to just these amazing things that, you know, we didn't have in school. Um, and school is such a, it, it's such a, it, it can make or break you, your mental health. Yeah. Um, and I don't think, I don't think the world under, even though the world has been through school, they still will walk away from that being like, well, that's what it is. That's how you learn survival of the fittest. It's all about mm. resiliency yeah, uh, and finding your way, you know, being thrown into scalding water, emotionally scalding water. Mm. So I hope there's a change in that way. I really do too. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I love that you equated like being in theater as a mental health program. Um, Cause I feel like I want, that was one of my questions is to, to talk to you about like performance art and how that can be good for someone and like the exploration of identity through art, um, mm-hmm. both like all of the, the, just all of the work that you do. So I'm just curious, like, how did you get into performance art and have you, have you found that it has been good for your mental health? And also mm-hmm. if you've used it as a way to explore all of it. All, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I start, I came to Boston when I left. I was in Los. Well, um, my, my my language is music, songwriting, you know, um, and so that is probably where everything got expressed. Even when I started doing my own music, my own songs, I picked up a guitar, and I wrote a song called Lesbo's Song. <laughs> Amazing. And and it really is that everything we're talking about. Uh, it's a it is a coming out song actually. Um, now that I think about it, it was far after I had come out. So I had the perspective and the safety to, to put it all to words, but, um, it, the, the chorus is, I'd like to sing about another part of me because this is my voice and a chance to be free. The only reason it's taken this long is I don't want to write no lesbo song. Mm. And then I would go into an imitation of what I thought was, like the the feminist music of the day of like high trilly singing, you know, Ooh, singing on a mountaintop with my sisters hand in hand in the circle <laughs> of living in the circle of life in the circle, of, you know, so I was poking fun at, at my, at that kind of music, but also speaking about my internalized homophobia. And this is the reason it's taken so long. So definitely I picked up a guitar and it all kind of came out with the first song that I wrote mm-hmm. and it started, you know, a bit of a career for me here in, in Boston. When I got to Boston, I was like, you're, you're, you're able to live on like three songs in Boston. Cause <laughs> like back in the nineties rather, <laughs> because you're always like, you collaborate with other people and there's bills of like 10 people in one night and so three songs to five songs. And that was my one song. Um, so a hundred percent that became my mental health was my expression um, and singing that, you know, writing for myself and then writing for other people and collaborating and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that lesbo song. Also, as you were talking, I just remembered in the, in the musicale finale, you have a cameo 
Yes, and I guess sh- wear that beard. Shmooly. Yeah. Shmooly, yeah. shmooly. Um yeah. how was how'd that feel? That was great. I would you know, Joey saw that for me. Um and you know, the the music of the show, the voice of the show, but the voiceless shmooly. Mm-hmm. Um I love the the beard was painful because it was itchy, but I loved mm-hmm. like being able to be that guy and I remember having a big old like sensitive like I have to tell my trans male friends here that I'm I'm not making fun of anything. I'm really trying to explore something and you know, cuz there was these buddies that I had met who worked on the on the movie and they were so embracing of me just like doing it though being kind of a cis person but not really. Mm-hmm. So, but I remember going that was again like I'm I my empathy, I lead with my empathy for better or for worse as a person, I feel. And I was like, the first thing I was like, I have to say, everybody, we would circle up and have these meetings before every shoot. I'm going to be playing a dude with a beard. I'm somewhere in the spectrum. I hope it doesn't offend. Please talk to me. I'm talking to all, you know, I have, I, um, this, this is a, a part of me, definitely. And of course, the trans people were the coolest about it. And, mm-hmm. um, but it was a way for me just to like live as that, that guy for a bit, you know? Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. I think there's a, I think that there's like a nuance to exploration and exploitation and, Mm -hmm. and like, I think so many, some of the like arguments around like drag and it's like, you're exploiting trans people. I mean, this is coming from the right. This is not part of like the queer Uh community that's saying it, but um, I think there has to be some give on, being able to explore as long as I think as long mm-hmm. as the queer person isn't the joke yes then it's okay but that's what that's what I love about the improv right. show that I started thank you for coming out is that because it's all queer people performing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's like a an, an, a level of understanding of like we're actually the queerness or the whatever it is isn't the joke of the story right. we right. just happen to be queer doing all the other things right and it makes it so much safer queer generated yeah 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 and also, like I know just from other trans people that it is some it's your first sometimes doing drag is your mm. first step into stepping into that personality absolutely and so on on both sides, you know, yeah, I know i anytime I look back on any any improv show that I did, mm-hmm. my like my character was always more masculine mm-hmm. than if I were playing a woman, quote unquote, I mm-hmm. would put on a voice or put mm-hmm. on a like thing because I was like well they're not going to know that I'm being a woman right. like this was all like internal dialogue that In I didn't know head. was happening yeah. right but then looking back to. I'm like oh yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um that's interesting yeah and it's and, and improv going back to like theater and is such a it is such a safe place to do that because mm-hmm. we are trained to immediately understand that that's reality and not to question mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. to accept it and build on it mm-hmm which is so affirming. <laughs> mm. I when when uh, side sideline question, but yeah. when do you think the the theater is gonna open up? And when do you, is that like oh, oy vey? Like who knows? But yeah, oy vey, who knows? Um, yeah, maybe the fall. Uh huh. Like a limited capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, I should probably reach out to the Magnet Theater where I do the show and Magnet, see yeah. what happens. Um, we yeah. also did it at the Pit, but they closed. So <sighs> I know. Yeah. This but, has been a war. It's been a ho- horrible war. Yeah. So when you, when you're, um, so you founded the Annoyance, which is so cool or co-founded one of the yeah. founding members. I would um, say, yeah, third. Uh, yeah. Got it. Um, yeah. So are you also like an improviser or are you more on the musical director, like accompanying or, I mean, I know it's also. Awesome yeah. I was in college. I was in an improv group um, and yeah, I, 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 I would call myself an improviser. I prefer to write through improvisation mm-hmm. to be on my feet as a character. Um, so, yeah, I just, there's, I always looked at myself as like, oh, there's so many people that are better. So mm-hmm. I would be <laughs> kind of, um, I don't, th- I probably would have two characters or something like that if I were <laughs> yeah. to fully go into it. Um, but I love it and I've been around it for all my young adult life up to now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, t I worked at a creative arts camp here in, in Boston where I taught improv and musical for young kids. And I think, I think, do you know, there's, 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 uh, Pam, Pam Rice, who's a huge improv mm -hmm. fan comes to like your shows all the time. And, yeah. um, she was one of my kids and there's a lot of kids that are from that camp that are now out there, like doing this work. Um, Hari Neff, who of course, like, I think a lot of people know, but, mm -hmm. um, it improv is just the best for at every age. I think I think like talk about anxiety. It's like a great way to work out your your anxious moments. You know, yeah, you have to take I, care of each other on stage and not think about yourself at all. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I also used to be really shy and hated talking in front of people, and now I'm yeah. obsessed with it. <laughs> like, yeah. and it's yeah. all because of improv of like yeah. getting comfortable and really learning to 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 like think on your feet and. Uh -huh. Um, react in the moment and be present is like so helpful in life, not, mm -hmm. a, not only as an improviser, but as a human. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I do want to circle back to like the queer and Jewish uh, nugget of life. So mm -hmm. um, I guess I'm just curious, like has, what was your experience growing up in a Jewish like household or like community as a mm -hmm. closeted queer person? And then how is your, and what is your relationship with Judaism now? You know, Jew, the the Jewish part of our life was kind of back here. It we weren't like fully embracing all of the Jewish stuff. We were like the half Jews, um, and I would you know Hanukkah and Passovers. We never really went to temple. Joey and I went to a Jewish school for two years, um, JCC camps. Um, so I would say like we had kind of a kaleidoscope Jewish upbringing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, then Joey got really much more into Judaism once they had a child, you know, and I, right now in my life, I, I do Shabbat with my partner on Fridays, just like light the candle and say the prayers. And it's really sweet. Mm-hmm. And Joey's been the one to lead our family in more of a Jewish perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been slow to follow, um, but I, I, I do embrace it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's great. What um, are you affiliated with any like synagogue or like virtually or physically or is it I've, just like the... tr tried different ones, like tried them on for size kind of. And I don't know mm -hmm. if it's because I haven't been been in, in Boston. Like I'm all, I've, in the last six, seven years have been going back and forth between Boston and L.A. So I would celebrate the high holidays more with my sibling, with Joey. And mm -hmm. and they had a couple of very different rabbis that they really were attached to. And so I. um. I would, you know, be at high holidays or whatever, like meditation meetings and, you know, different kinds of cool events. I would kind of, again, kind of get involved through them and always loved it. Um, There's a tiny moment in my life where I thought, ooh, what if I like go to school to become a cantor or something? Mm. You know, there was a second where I thought that's the way that it would line up for me. But yeah, I, I think uh, not, you know, love the Jewish stuff, but not, I would say it's not, uh, not in my life in a, in a, in a um, vibrant way. And then not vibrant, but like in a repetitive way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, I guess Shabbat is pretty good. Shabbat is really good. <laughs> I, yeah. I started, I have been on this very long journey of healing with Judaism and mm -hmm. having the ability to work at Keshet has been really helpful mm -hmm. and just meeting all of these different rabbis and mm -hmm. um, like has been really healing of like, oh, you're a trans rabbi. Wow. Mm -hmm. I never knew that was a thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just been, so I'm, I'm still, I'm also still trying to like try on what feels right for me, mm -hmm. but something that feels really good is Shabbat every Friday. Yeah. And letting, just like, a putting your phone down away and just like right. present in a, a, 
intentional moment every week to be mm-hmm. present with the people is so mm-hmm. lovely or even myself because <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, sometimes I do it when I'm back in New York um, mm-hmm. by myself but mm-hmm. um, it's lovely where are you now Dubs are you um, where, right now I'm like... in Texas with my parents oh cool Texas yeah. oh so wait a minute were you a te- did you grow up Jewish in Texas no thank god oh, okay. <laughs> I, grew up, <laughs> I grew up in Columbus Ohio oh okay uh, yeah they yeah. just moved here a few years ago okay um, that would have been even more of a different experience. Than yeah. Columbus. Yeah. Um, yeah. I no got to know Texas. a lot of people. Yeah. I got to know a lot of people in Columbus cause I, I went to Indiana university. Mm, mm. And so my, um, a lot of Ohio kids went to India, India Southern Indiana mm-hmm. schools. Yeah. Yeah. I went to Ohio state. Um, yeah. us big 10 kids. Yeah. <laughs> IU, Ohio state. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, I, this has been lovely. I, I I don't want to, but I'm going to move us into our the last segment, which is the lightning round of questions. Okay. Um, it's just meant for fun. And okay. the first two seasons, they were all like either or questions. And then I got mm-hmm. loving feedback of that's so binary of you, Dubs. And <laughs> <laughs> so these okay. are now all open-ended. <laughs> okay. Um, so if you could name your own crayon, what would you name it? God. Um, you mean color-wise? Any, however you uh, okay. interpret it. Um, all around brown. Oh, I love that. Brown's favorite. my favorite color. So it's like, you know. Perfect. Yeah. Um, and it rhymes. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> favorite time of day. Morning. Uh, favorite current queer media representation. TikTok. Mm, nice. A song that makes your heart soar. Oh gosh, this is going to, I've been sit, listening to Demi Lovato's before suicide song. <laughs> I hate to say it, it's so dark, but her, anyone, anyone, do you know that, that's, do you know that song at all? I don't. That but makes I, my I'll heart soar and, and maybe it's just, um, no one's listening. Uh, I think it's called No One's Listening. Mm. It's really sad, but it makes my heart sore because she, she, it's like she named her pain before uh, dealing with it in that, in that songwriting. It's a, it's a weird mixed, a weird, a weird answer for this question because it's a sad song, but she's, wow, she, she, she goes headfirst into her pain in that song. Mm, that's okay yeah. that's there's yeah. I feel like those songs are the themes of like is anyone listening yeah, <laughs> always really get me real deep yeah you should listen listen to it I mean she's I don't know how you feel about Demi Lovato and I you know don't necessarily she's not anybody that I've like followed she's more she was in my my kid's life if anything but she's she's got quite a story and um that song is pretty it's pretty painful and it's also a it, you can't help but like your heart kind of leaps out of your chest when you listen to that song. Oh, well, I'm definitely going to yeah. listen to it second yeah. thing up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, the one that I was thinking of was, uh, if only you could listen from school of rock. Oh, that song makes me just cry my eyes out for hours. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, uh, okay. Favorite way to travel. I guess drive. Oh no. Amtrak. Mm, nice. Yeah. Favorite yeah. quote. Hmm. Be on the scene, Miles Davis. I don't know if it's exactly right, but just something like if you're curious, just be on the scene. Mm. I'll always kind of keep that. I like that. Yeah. Um, and there was one that I couldn't get rid of, which is bagels or donuts. That's not fair. I know. <laughs> I'm going to just say bagels right now. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> you asked me any other time, it might have been donuts. Yeah. Have you, uh, I've been getting free Krispy Kremes with my vaccination card, which is no. like, if you have it, wish. you get a free Krispy Kreme. I don't know if they're in Boston, but. Oh, they are. They're not as, we are ruled by Dunkin' Donuts. Mm, mm. So you go to any Krispy, Krispy Kreme and you can get a free donut with your. Next mm-hmm. card. Okay. Yep. Good to know. It's been a very lovely treat here. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, Faith, this was so lovely. Thank you so much for sharing so much of your story and spending the afternoon with me. Well, thanks for, thanks for asking dubs. It's an honor to be asked. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to hook you, hook Petey Gibson up with you because it would be a great interview and he'd have a lot to say on not the Jewish thing. So I don't know if you're going. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. But improviser, queer, trans, it's been through a lot. So. Sounds relatable. I love it. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for coming out. Ah, thank you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you for coming out. Hey, everyone. It's your host, Dubs Weinblatt. Thank you so much for listening with an open heart and an open mind. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, please do so so you don't miss an episode. And don't forget to rate and review us. It really helps. And we want to hear from you. We want to know your coming out story. Head on over to Thank You For Coming Out's Instagram page, at Thank You For Coming Out, and click the link in our bio. There's a form there where you can submit your coming out story, either anonymously or with your name. And you could have the chance to hear your story read out on the Thank You For Coming Out podcast. We're so happy that you're part of our community, and we want you to know that your story matters. Thank you for coming out.